Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. Happy Labor Day. Happy September. It's hard to believe it, huh? I don't know if time is uh, is moving very, very slowly or very, very quickly, but uh, it feels kind of like all of the above right now, huh? I've said it before, but this show started back in May as uh, as an attempt to process, really, <laughs> what was going on with the quarantine and the pandemic and how it affected my business, the entertainment business, and also the media business. And I imagine by June, maybe July at the latest, that would all be old news and you know people would be back in their lives and we'd sort of be over it. And here we are in September, still talking, still making shows. This is episode 34, which uh, thank you all. If you've been here for a while, thanks for listening. If you're new, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. Today's guest is Lang Fisher. Lang is the co-creator of Never Have I Ever, along with Mindy Kaling. Uh, it's an amazing Netflix show. I got to say, if you haven't seen it yet, you should like pause this. Come back to this. You should go watch the show. It's 10 episodes. They're all half hours. You can get through it in you know two or three days. You're going to want to get through it in two or three days. Once you start watching it, it's, uh, it's addictive and it's fun. But go watch it because Lang and I talk about a lot of the creative process behind making the show, a lot of the decisions that went into, you know, how they wrote it and how they cast it and things like that, that I really feel like you're going to appreciate more if you've seen the show. So go take a couple days, go watch Never Have I Ever, then come back here and listen to me talk to Lang. Did you do it? Are you back now? Are we later in the week? Or are you still here? Maybe you've seen the show. Maybe that's why you're here. It's, uh, it's really good. Never Have I Ever premiered on Netflix on April 27th. It was the most popular show on Netflix within a week after its debut. And by July, 40 million households had tuned into the show. So maybe you have seen it. Maybe you're one of those 40 million. It's, uh, it's a really incredible, fun show. It stars Maitre Ramakrishnan, and it's the story of an Indian-American girl growing up in the San Fernando Valley and just kind of navigating high school. Uh, you probably know at this point her father had recently died. And the series explores her relationship with her mother after his death, plus her friendships, her romantic escapades, all the normal kind of high school stuff. But uh, it's a really fun show. And I love that it was told from a from an Indian perspective. My wife is South Asian. And uh, this was a show that she had discovered and started watching and was kind of texting with all her cousins. And it turned out they had found it, too. And they were all loving it. And then she got me to watch it. And we sat down and watched it over you know the course of three or four days. And I just thought it was one of the smartest, funniest shows I had ever seen. It's got a lot of heart to it. It has a lot of soul. It gets into some very deep places. And really, some of the sentiment of the show kind of creeps up on you. You know, you, you expect going in that it's just going to be a teen comedy. But there's a, there's a lot of heart to it. And it's also just, it's a really diverse cast. It's a cast that, to me, looks a lot more representative of sort of where we are in the U.S. right now than a lot of other shows on TV. So kudos to Lang and to Mindy for writing and casting such a diverse group of people. It's really awesome to see. And uh, good news, too, the show has picked up for a second season. So uh, you'll hear in the interview here, Lang uh, is in the middle of trying to figure that out with her team right now. What's that going to look like? When and how are they going to shoot? What is getting back to work going to look like? There's a lot to dissect, but I also had a lot of questions just about the show itself. Lang and Mindy worked together on the Mindy Project. Lang was also a writer and EP on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 
So uh, she's been in the comedy field for a long time and had some amazing insights to share, especially around Never Have I Ever. So uh, here we go. Here is my interview with Lang Fisher. Uh, well, I want to start by just sort of asking, you know, I, I ask everybody this, but how uh, how has this quarantine been going? Have the last five or six months been treating you? You know, we we actually have started up season two and it's been weird yeah. because like our, our writer's room is over Zoom. You know, that's been sort of a strange setup. But yeah, it, it's definitely been weird. I mean, like not having seen people in person for a while is right. strange. And just like the task of writing scripts and stuff over over Zoom has been has been pretty challenging. Yeah, I will say we've been very efficient because like no one wants to be on Zoom for very long. (laughs) So a lot of the like sort of horsing around that happens in a comedy writer's room has kind of like stopped. Yeah. So that we can just focus on uh, getting our work done. So nobody has to look at a screen anymore. Right. so we've been we've been very efficient. Yeah. Do you feel like that's changed sort of the approach to writing or, you know, has it limited the jokes that have come out? Or do you feel like, you know, you're being more efficient and still getting the work done? I don't think it's limited the jokes that like are going into the script. It's just made like a slightly different dynamic because like our, you know, comedy writers rooms like are sort of notorious for having like weird bits and you know you like waste a lot of time doing things like playing like online trivia games or like you know taking long snack breaks and so it's mostly we've just sort of like cut some air out of the day (laughs) right hopefully the scripts will be as good yeah i mean there's a camaraderie piece certainly that you know that all that all feels like a lark at times but it does help you know it helps build team and it helps you know get the creative juices flowing sometimes <laughs> so it's sure that is true yeah um i wonder too just you know going back to sort of the beginning of the pandemic the first season uh, premiered during that time it was like early april right uh end of april end of april that's yeah. right um like what was that experience like like just thinking about you know when you guys were were writing the show and creating the show i don't think you could have imagined <laughs> that it would have premiered to a bunch of people sitting on their couches i guess uh in in the way that we were back in april like how did how did the premiere and the release and stuff how was that all affected by what we were all going through i mean unfortunately it was like pretty beneficial for our show yeah. um, <laughs> but it you know it felt a little like um, sad because people, you know, we were in the middle of a global crisis. And so, you know, there's a little, it was a little bittersweet, but you know, yeah, I, I think, it, you know, it premiered about, uh, you know, a month and a half into it. And so I think we got more eyes on it than we probably would have had it not been everybody in lockdown. Right. But I also felt like, the nice thing, it's people seemed really appreciative of it because like everyone was feeling like depressed and trapped in their homes. And I think like the levity of the show and, and sort of like, you know, it is, it's a very funny show, but it's sentimental too. And I think right. like people, people felt happy to like experience all of those feelings. And so, um, I think it was cathartic for some people and also like a nice escape is what people have said to me. So in some ways, you know, it was obviously beneficial numbers wise to us, but also we felt good that we like 
could provide a nice relief from the drudgery of lockdown. Yeah, it's it's interesting just sort of thinking about, you know, like the, there is a piece of it that is it's a bright and fun show. And and as you say, it's it's primarily a comedy, but there is a lot of darkness in it, too. And it kind of just mm-hmm. it, it creeps up on you. And yeah, there are moments where, you know, like I'd find myself or watching it with my wife, like the two of us just sobbing at different points. And I, yeah, I think in that context of we don't know where the world's headed and we're all stuck at home and, you know, feeling that full range of emotion was was a nice release in that time. I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm glad you said that because that's what we hope for. I hope that it, it, it does kind of have like an emotional it provides an emotional release for people. Yeah. Why did you guys decide to go in that direction? Just having that, I keep calling it darkness. I don't know if that's the right term, but just, you know, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of, you know, you deal with miscarriage, you deal with, you know, the death of a parent. Uh, there's just sort of the the existential loneliness around Ben's character. Uh, Fabiola's uh, coming out and sort of struggling with all that. Like, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, tension <laughs> in the scripts. Like, <laughs> why why not just, you know, do a do a straightforward comedy? Why did you think it was important to to have that full uh, range of emotions? You know, I think like we because we were on Netflix and because you know we were on the streaming platform that kind of provides a little more flexibility. To, to genres like I think we just wanted to sort of stretch our wings a little bit because both Mindy and I come from the world of like broadcast comedy sure and I think we've you know it sort of all happened organically because basically you know we sort of signed up to to make a show about an Indian American teen and we made a choice really early on that we wanted her to have like a kind of a a deep wound. You know, I think it started from both Mindy and I talking about how we kind of wanted this girl to be like how we were in high school, which is sort of like, you're, you know, overachievers who weren't necessarily like the coolest, most stylish teens, but we also weren't like shy either. And we had big personalities. And so we started from a place of like, wanting this girl to have a big personality and then we kind of started talking about whether or not she should have like a temper and then we decided to like it would be funny to like make her have this like big temper you know in a voiceover with John McEnroe and and we decided to like we wanted that temper to come from somewhere and and like we we felt like she had to have this sort of deep wound or something that like was making her sort of like rage filled and once we kind of chose this like deep wound to be like the death of her father, because both Mindy and I have lost parents, we decided to sort of add this element of like, um, as you say, darkness. We sort of like wanted to have that level. But it it also like, I think we both decided we wanted to come from a place, even though like some of the jokes are like wacky or, you know, silly, like we wanted to come from the place of, of reality for this teen. We like, wanted her to feel like a real teenager. And, you know, the YA landscape right now is, is, is mostly in dramas. And a lot of times, you know, the teens and the dramas are like adults, you know, yeah. they're, they're, you know, you have like Riverdale where everyone like is wearing like, 
you know, a Gucci business suit, yeah. you know, to like high school. And so, you know, you have like that or you have like euphoria where it's like incredibly like dark and like the mm-hmm. teens are, are like, you know, promiscuous and addicted to heroin. And it's yeah. like really edgy. And it's, you know, like our experience of high school is neither of those things. And we just kind of wanted this girl to like have a lot of hormones, but at the same time, you know, have a lot of feelings. And every teenager I know, like, is a teenager, but is usually going through some sort of adult level feelings about something, right. you know? And so, so I think that that was part of it, just to kind of give her some depth. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned sort of both you and Mindy going through loss of a parent. I wonder sort of like, I think it's really easy to look at this and say, oh, it's, you know, the story of an Indian American teen. And probably a lot of this is based on Mindy. But I wonder sort of what else from your own background and and biography you brought to either to to Davy or to some of the other characters or, you know, the story overall. Yeah, I mean, I think like Davy is a combination of both of us. Yeah. I think a, a lot of the stories are like come from both of our upbringings. My younger brother is the one who actually like was temporarily paralyzed oh, for wow. three months, um, and which is where we we got that idea when he was like I think fifteen. And I think some of the reactions like Davy has um, dealing with grief are feelings that like. I felt when my dad died and also, you know, that I, I witnessed in my like younger siblings and the way they felt, you know, when, when he died and just like, you know, there's like little things here and there. I mean, we, we really like have kind of pulled stuff from everyone on the writing staff, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Um, everyone on our writing staff kind of has some part of their own biography that like really relates to the show. You know, we have a couple writers on staff who've lost a parent and we have, a, you know, a bunch of writers whose parents are immigrants and who, you know, are of Indian descent. And so, you know, a lot of them had specifics from their lives that we used in the show just to make it feel realer. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. My wife is South Asian. And so like a lot of the pieces, you know, even just the aunties at Ganesh Puja and things like that were were very familiar. But, you know, I I was curious and and you sort of answered it for me, I guess, of just sort of what the makeup of the rest of the writer's room was, because it feels like, you know, you you get in. Obviously, all the characters are they're non-white. You know, there's an Asian lead. There's a there's a black lead. There's a Jewish lead. uh, There's a lot of issues dealing with with coming out and LGBT issues and I guess I just, from my perspective anyways, it all felt very authentic and real and not super stereotyped, I guess. And so, you know, it sounds like that was partially just bringing in writers that that could pull from those different life experiences. Yeah, it was really important to us that we have a, a super diverse and inclusive writer's room that like could speak to the voices of our characters. So, you know, we do have like this like, great writer's room and we also have have tried to do that with our directors as well Mm. so like um and the rest of our our crew but you know we have a lot of south asian directors and like they you know they have also like really like contributed thoughts and ideas to to the episodes that they've directed yeah I wonder when you know, like you're talking about before, sort of the difference between network and Netflix. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you know you sort of have this 10 episode arc to play with 
and you can be a little freer in it, I guess. Like, I guess just walk me through the writing process. Like, are are you writing all 10 as a batch or is it still sort of more, you know, like a network show? Usually you're writing an episode or two at a time and then they produce, you know, they shoot that episode and you're working on next week's episode while they're shooting last week's. Like, how did you approach it? Right. How did you approach it because of the streaming platform? Um, it's a little different in that, A, you know, broadcast shows are typically more episodic and don't you can kind of like watch you know any episode of Seinfeld out of order you know like it doesn't matter and our show is obviously much more serialized because we know people binge things on Netflix so we want people to like want to roll from one episode into the next one right and so you know um, we call it blue skying but just sort of talking like big picture story arcs for the season. And we kind of look at every character and talk about what their sort of big, like the big question they're answering um, for themselves this season. Like what's their like obstacle? What are they, you know, trying to solve? Like what is, what is their major problem? And so we kind of, try to figure out what everyone's arc is and then we sort of try to weave those together to kind of create a sort of spine for the season and and what we think is going to happen yeah and then once we've kind of got a loose idea of like what the direction of the season is then we start doing individual episodes and we will pretty much write everything before we even start shooting at least first drafts of everything. Yep. Um, whereas like, you know, on, on broadcast, you're writing at the same time as you're shooting. And so it's a different, it's a, it's a different schedule than that. And so there's a lot of like, you know, we write something in episode six, then you got to go back to episode three and kind of adjust something there. And it's sort of like, you almost are creating a whole season as like one piece of art. Yeah. Instead it's like of a like five season. hour feature <laughs> instead of a bunch yeah, of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, so that, because you know, like everybody's watching it in like two days, right. you know, <laughs> it's like, so you're just like trying to make sure that if I were someone watching this, like all in a row, it would feel satisfying. Yeah. How does that though? Like, I feel like the cast must bring an element to it, or at least, you know, in a week to week kind of format, you know, an actor brings something to a performance one week and the writers pick up on it and say, Ooh, we should veer in that direction. You know, this, this is working for that mm-hmm. actor. Like, how did the cast influence sort of the writing or, you know, it sounds like first drafts were done before production, perhaps. So there may have been some wiggle room sort of once you got to know, you know, the the, the physical piece of these characters. I mean, I think that is like such a, a real thing. It's like you when you make a show, especially before you know who's who's going to be playing any of the characters, you're just imagining a character in like a you know, in your imagination and you have no idea like how they're going to sound in real life. And so you do have to kind of wait and see like, like how your actors score in different ways. You know, I mean, I remember like when we worked on like the Mindy project, Ed Weeks started out as this like Lothario, like high status, like sex symbol. And then like, we realized he was so funny when he was low status and like put upon. Yeah. And so just like immediately he just kind of like stopped being as cool and became like this like <laughs> weird, like a feat, like loser yeah. um, because he was so funny at it. And he would like kill all these like hilarious um, 
jokes about, you know, like loving opera and like having calligraphy pens. Um, <laughs> and it's the same as it's the same here. It's like, you know, you write a pilot and you like let everybody like say the words, you know, the way you've written them. And then you kind of realize what their voice is mm. and what things work for them and what things don't. And, you know, we we actually wrote, if you can believe it, we wrote Davy to be even like grattier than she was in like the actual um, pilot uh-huh. uh, because we were sort of imagining her almost as like a teenage girl, Danny McBride, <laughs> you know, like we were like, she's just like so like irritable and like annoyed at everyone. Right. And, but it was like coming across so bratty uh, because it was, you know, a teenager doing it. And she just, like, at one point we were like, she hates her friends, she hates her mom, she hates her therapist, she hates everybody. Right. And so we were like, we have to, like, go back. And also, like, Maitre is so winning and funny and, like, just, like, this, like, little rascal that right. we were like, we need to play into that. So we rewrote the character and did some reshoots to, like, show off Maitre's strengths and to make this character kind of more winning. Yeah. Even though she's difficult, like, you know, we like kind of figured out what worked and what didn't. Yeah. It's interesting too, just sort of the process of finding her just in casting. Like that was, that was based Mm -hmm. on a tweet that Mindy sent, right? Yeah. I mean, we wanted to, I think we were kind of inspired by the West Side Story, like open call. Uh Uh-huh. And so we decided that, like, we would just, like, make an open call for, you know, for this part and for the other South Asian roles, too, just to get the biggest pool possible. Because particularly in L.A., like, there just wasn't that large of a group of, like, teenage Indian actors. Uh, it It wasn't a big pool. And so... You know, we saw, all, like, I think all of them, all of the, the teenage actors here. And there was just part of us also that, like, wanted to try to find something really, like, special that, like, you couldn't just find or, you know, that couldn't just be created by taking acting lessons. Yeah. I think we were, like, hoping, and I, and I feel like we achieved it, but we were sort of hoping we're like, let's try to find, you know, like the Jonah Hill of yeah. like teenage Indian girl who's just like naturally funny. Right. And and that like, you know, we can teach her how to like act and emote, but like maybe she will have something that like we can't uh, teach someone that's just like this like natural like sense of humor. Right. Um, and sh- And so when she auditioned, she just had this like raspy voice and just like looked like kind of like a little punk who was like <laughs> just gonna cause some trouble. And you know, we, we were like, this girl is really funny, and she yeah. was definitely green and unpolished, but there was just something like funny about her, uh, that cracked us up. So, you know, we brought her to do a screen test, and she dabbed when she like came in the like. <laughs> But like the audition room and like was just being like such a little like nutball. Yeah. And we were, we were like one over, you know, I was just like, this girl is great. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that, that's kind of how it it came about. It's wild. I had, I had heard that story after I had watched it the first time. And then I just rewatched the whole series before we talked, you know, over this past week. 
And like, I had that in my head of like, oh, wow, like she hadn't really acted before. And what struck me was just the range of like, you know, as, as you say, you can sort of see the, the natural comedian in her and, you know, she's got that smile and everything like it just she plays that part really well. But as we talked about with, you know, the story arcs, there's a lot of really deep and dark places, you know, mm-hmm. when, when she goes to Malibu at the end with her mom and, you know, like really kind of having to lose it and and just be really upset. And, you know, there's a lot of things she does yeah. just with her eyes, you know, in the car with Paxton or Ben at different points like that to me would be scary, <laughs> like as a producer going into it, just saying, OK, we know she can do the comedy, but this script requires a huge range. Let's see what she's got. Like how much of a roll of the dice was that for you guys? I mean, I think we, we realized how like risky it was a little late. <laughs> like I think we were like, Oh man, like this is good. This could go very badly, right? you know, because like in addition to just like maybe not being able to do like those things, like there's also like the world in which she just like, imploded from anxiety you know like it's just to go from like being a toronto high school student to feeling like the entire weight of a series and a bunch of people's jobs are on the line you know is is like enormous but this girl is such a pro i mean it was crazy and i can't tell if it's just because she is young and like she doesn't like almost like ignorance is bliss. Like she didn't quite understand like how large the like crew was or something, but like, you know, she had like the best attitude of anybody I've ever seen. She showed up every day with like a smile on her face, ready to work as hard as possible. Whenever we gave her a note, you know, she didn't like take it to heart and like crumble inward. Like, she really was just like, okay, I'm learning. And like, she worked with this, uh, an acting coach for the whole uh, run of the show. And they really like, you know, figured out these emotional scenes. But yeah, I mean, I was blown away by just her like mental stamina and like her work ethic. Yeah. Every time she did something great, it like, dawned on me how badly something could have gone <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you know i was like when we would like have an like the ganesh puja episode was like it was like 105 degrees in the valley yeah. it was just you know it was like we had all these like ancient actors who were struggling in the heat and everyone was forgetting lines and stuff and she just you know like held it together and and did such a good job I yeah, I was I was truly like bowled over by how well she did. That's awesome. I I wonder too we were talking about sort of you know rewriting based on on getting into the actors and stuff. Like how much of just sort of the teen vernacular <laughs> was changed? Like that to me just the thought of like relating to even like like a 22-year-old. <laughs> I feel like I don't speak the yeah. same language of let alone, you know, a 16 or 17-year-old. Like how did you guys navigate making that world feel authentic. I really like YA shows and I watch a bunch of them. Um, But my, my truly my pet peeve is when I can tell the writer is 40, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to name any shows, but it's like when like the teens like love music that came out in like the nineties, they're like, you're like, yeah, because the person who is writing the show loves 
music right. from the 90s. Yeah, this and person they don't wasn't born for <laughs> 12 years yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, when all the references are to something that a like 40 year old understands, it just feels, I don't know, like a little, a little lazy to me. And so I, I like have really tried to like figure out how teens are like speak now. And I've done that by hiring some young writers yeah. <laughs> who are like in their early to mid twenties. Yeah. And, and like, truly I call them like the youth writers and I'm just like, okay, well, what is the newest version of this? Like, yeah. You know, like, it's like, I feel like yesterday we were talking about like single white female and I was like, okay, but like, what is like a current reference, like about a, a lady stalker or right. something? And, and like, truly, uh, even like my, like, like younger writers were like, we don't really know exactly what the, the slang is either, but like everybody, <laughs> we like research it. <laughs> like we treat it like it's a medical show. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I had one of my writers I just gave her my Instagram and I was like, Tell, just follow the things I need to follow. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, okay. And then just like, now I'm, you know, follow like Taylor Swift. Right. <laughs> and like a million other Zoomer things that I, I'm supposed to know. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I'm like, if I were writing a World War II movie, I would need to do some research. So yeah. that's what this is, too. That's so interesting. Just kind of approach it like a book report and yeah, have to have to do the homework. Yeah. And sometimes like we'll throw like Hail Marys of like, I'm like, this seems like I'm using this slang correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just like throw something in and, you know, our teen like actors like are cool and they like make it sound right. Yeah. And then sometimes like Maitre will be like, that's not something I would say. Can I say this? I'm like, yes, please. Yeah. Make it sound like a teenager. <laughs> yeah. You say that. Okay. Well, so one reference that to me sort of like was it was an interesting choice was the John McEnroe as narrator piece of it. Yeah. Like just again, sort of like thinking of, you know, do younger people even have a sense of who he is and, you know, that sort of thing. Like talk to me, I mm -hmm. guess, about just sort of how you guys came on to, you know, just that device to begin with of having a narrator's voice and that it would be John McEnroe. <laughs> like what what was that process like? It, you know, like Mindy and I were like, I think talking about it as a joke. And then we were like, let's try it. Yeah. I think it could be funny. But Mindy's family loves tennis. And so does mine, actually. Like we, we both come from tennis families. Her parents were big McEnroe fans. And he was sort of like the only person we could think of that like is sort of known for his temper that isn't like deplorable yeah <laughs> it's like he's known for it in like sort of a fun way yep. <laughs> and we just kind of felt like his like gruffness and like kind of cantankerous tone would really be funny in a teen girl's head to like give shape and voice to the rage that like a teen girl feels yeah. you know i mean teen girls are filled with rage <laughs> and n nothing I think can like really describe the, the depths of that, like a, a gruff te <laughs> old tennis legends um, yeah. voice. I mean, Macro was so, and he's so great and, and nice and like wonderful to work with, but his voice is so funny. Right. I particularly love it when he really cares about like the drama that's yeah. happening in the high school. And he's just like, 
Are you freaking kidding me? Paxton <laughs> Hall Yoshida? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's just so funny to me. Well, and I also I, I really enjoy like there are there are times where I feel like he really knows like his character, I guess, knows sort of the roadmap of where we're headed and is like, you know, like reading a book almost, like telling you this story that that he knows intimately. Mm-hmm. But then there are moments where you feel like he's sitting next to you on the couch and just like, wait, what did he say? I didn't hear it either. I was talking to you guys, you know, just some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I love those moments where, like, you're not quite sure. Is he this, with her. Yeah, like, yeah. is he this omniscient narrator or is he just along for the ride and watching it for the first time? Yeah. I was curious, too, like the, the shift to Andy Samberg in episode six and like mm-hmm. to tell it from Ben's perspective. Like, it was just interesting to me, like thinking of you know, the amount of real estate, I guess, that you have in, in a 10 episode series. And I feel like the inclination might be, we have to make this Davies story. And, you know, there's not a lot of time to, to explore too much else, but to kind of, to establish um, a format over five episodes, and then kind of bend that format and bend the perspective, uh, you know, six episodes in was just, it was an interesting choice to me. I wonder sort of why you decided to go that route. Um, I think we decided to do it because of the flexibility of a Netflix show. Like, I feel like to build out the world a little bit and to reveal something about one of our other characters, it felt fun. Yeah. And we're planning to do that with other characters going forward. Oh, cool. You know, it would be nice to have one of those episodes a season where we can, like, sort of deviate from the past and, like, give you like the point of view of a different character in like their private life. Uh, And also it's just funny to like imagine who everybody's narrators would be. Right. But, you know, I think we, we, we want to like be able to play with the format. I mean, nowadays TV is so creative and like everyone is breaking these old rules to make sort of like new and exciting like pieces of television. And so I think, you know, that that is one way that we could do that on our show. Yeah, totally. I wonder, too, just sort of, you know, you mentioned earlier, like coming from the Mindy Project and, you know, that show started on Fox and then moved to Hulu. Like, did existing in those two worlds previously, like, you know, broadcast and then streaming, did any experiences on the Mindy Project sort of inform how you write for Netflix at all? You know, we got to, like, be a little bit looser once we got to Hulu, but the format was, like, pretty well ingrained by the time we did that. So, you know, it's like we'd already had a few seasons on um, Fox, and so you couldn't change that much. I mean, it was, like, the biggest change we had there was, like, you were allowed all of a sudden to say product names, which you weren't before, (laughs) you know? But I think now that like so much of what we watch is streaming, like we wanted to sort of try to to make this not a predictable YA show. Yeah. And it's it's not at all. That's that's what I love about it is it just goes in in so many directions that you don't expect. Uh, I want to ask, too, about the character of Kamala, uh, the cousin. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, just the name. Like, was there a nod to Kamala Harris in there at all? No, I mean, it's funny because I think most people you know I mean now everybody knows that she is half Indian but I think people usually associate her with being like a black woman and so I feel like but Kamala is like I guess a a relatively uh well-known like Indian name Uh (laughs) so but what we did realize is that Kamala Harris's middle name is Davy oh really (laughs) 
I didn't like, know that. Whoa. That's funny. Yeah, I just found that out. So that so now it is it does seem like, yeah, we just, you know, stolen her name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting too, just sort of her arc of, you know, having this this relationship with Steve and then being set up for an arranged marriage and, you know, sort of going through that process. And it, it made me think of uh, Indian Matchmaking, which is sort of the other big, mm-hmm. you know, South Asian show on Netflix right now. Like, I don't know if you've watched, I, I saw like Mindy and some of the cast were well, we tweeting watched, about yeah, it. Yeah, we watched yeah. it as a as a room. Oh, cool. <laughs> so like, I guess, what are your thoughts on sort of just arranged marriage and, and how it's being portrayed and just sort of its, uh, I don't know, its prominence all of a sudden in, in the American psyche? Yeah, I mean, I think what we were trying to do is to offer like a nuanced view of it because people have very strong feelings about it. Yeah. It, it feels like, you know, a lot of people who are South Asian, like are like, yes, people in my family do get arranged marriages and they're not all like horrible. Like people actually fall in love with each other. Yeah. And then other people are like, you know, it's like a, it's a real like, you know, tricky business and it's not great a lot of times for young people to be forced into this. And so like people have really strong like opinions about it. And I think what we were trying to show is like, this is a girl who is ambitious and she's come to America to get her PhD, but she comes from a relatively traditional background. And we wanted to sort of show that like, she feels independent and conflicted about it. And like you, the viewer should feel conflicted about it. It's, yeah. it's hard to know whether or not like it's the right thing for her, but it, it might be, it might not be horrible. You know, it's, we were just trying to sort of make it a kind of a reality that some people face and, and that like, it's not all good or all bad. Yeah. Well, I feel like you guys kind of build up, you know, at least the other characters' reactions to it are sort of, you know, this is bad. Certainly Steve's and I think Davies and, Mm -hmm. you know, to some extent Kamala's as well. And then there's that moment where, you know, her her potential fiance shows up at the door and Davies says, oh, you're not an uggo. (laughs) You know, like you kind of bend the expectation. You want to hate him. uh, And you Mm -hmm. sort of immediately are charmed by him and say, oh, I could I could kind of see this working. Yeah, like maybe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what we were sort of hoping for. Yeah, uh, it's interesting too. Like I, I was just thinking about sort of Mohan and the way that he's portrayed in the show, and like I wonder. You talked about sort of both you and Mindy going through the experience of losing a parent. Like it feels like, aside from the night of of his death and sort of the imagery of of ambulances and things like that, most of the memories that Davy. Um, recalls are very happy, very positive memories. Like there's mm-hmm. never a moment where she looks back and, and sees her father in an imperfect light at all. And I just wonder, like, do you think he was really <laughs> that perfect of a parent? Or do you think there's something about just, you know, the process of losing a parent that makes you only see them as, as sort of an idol or, you know, something like that? Um, it's really interesting you brought that up because, you know, we've been, we've actually been talking about it for season two. And I think in season two, we're going to highlight some of his imperfections. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I mean, I think for season one, it's all coming from, from Davey um, for the most part. I mean, some of the memories are from Nalini, yep. but I think it is coming from a place of two women who like aren't really ready to grieve yeah. and are kind of trying not to. And so like, they like aren't ready to acknowledge how much they miss this person. And so these like moments that are kind of showing up are them really missing him Yeah. rather than sort of reflecting on 
him as a whole character and a whole being um you know it's mostly just like thinking about these like nice moments that they had in the past and so you know we're hoping in in season two to sort of show a little like a little more about like who he actually really was and like make him a, a slightly more fully formed uh character yeah well, it's interesting, too, just sort of he feels like the glue of that family, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's almost. Yeah, it, yeah it's like uh, it's like Nalini and Davy almost have uh, have nothing in common were it not for him. You know, they're not people that that would have gotten along and sort of in losing him. And I guess that's that's certainly what you explored in season one and probably will continue to over the series of just how do you how do you rebuild that relationship if it wasn't even that strong to begin with, you know, if you're always kind of counting on, on somebody else to, to be that glue, to be that, you know, bond for you. Right. Yeah. I think like also like, you know, because we had them, but uh, Melanie and, and Davy have this like big reconciliation at the end of the last season. Like we're hoping to try to like see how they like create their family of two, you right. know, I mean, they have Kamala there, but it's like, you know, they're trying to like understand each other and be more like open to the way the other one sees the world. So we're sort of playing around with like the new normal after they, they said goodbye to to Mohan yeah. now and, and, and if they can kind of create their own glue between themselves. Yeah, well, that'd be interesting to watch. Um, I, I wonder, you know, how is, uh, do you have a sense of how COVID is going to affect production? Like, do you have a, do you have a start date in mind or anything yet? Or is it still very up in the air? It's a little up in the air. I mean, we're, we're hoping to get going, uh, you know, later this fall, but everything's a little trickier. You yeah. know, it's, it's you like, I mean, production ends up being longer because you need more time to do everything you know, everybody's operating in these pods. You know, if if props has to come in, everybody has to leave. If lighting has to come in, then everybody has to leave. You know, wow. so it's like it just takes a lot longer. And, you know, you have to be like physically distanced on set. And it, it's just, there's, you know, the, there's a, a ton of protocols just to make sure everyone's safe. But it does change things a lot. I mean, shooting on location is a lot harder. I mean, nobody wants you to shoot in their houses anymore. (laughs) So that's, you know, that's something like we'll have to like figure out, but you know, we're hoping, you know, we're watching there's, there's other shows that have started up and we're going to watch and see how they do and hopefully learn from like what they've learned. And we're hoping we get, we get to, to start up in a a few months, but We'll see. Yeah. And, and taking the production hat off for a minute and just thinking on the writing side, like, ha- have you allowed any of those realities to seep into the writer's room and, you know, affected scripts? Or are you guys just sort of operating in a perfect world right now and writing the best scripts you can and then sort of figuring out the production piece later? We're kind of doing both. Like we we wrote like it's we sort of broke the season as if it was a normal time in the world. Yeah. Um, and then. And have kind of like gone back to adjust scenes for things like, you know, it's like, okay, well, we probably can't shoot at this, like this house. So like, why don't we make this, put this scene, you know, on one of our sets, you know, like that, that's sort of a, those sorts of adjustments, you know, I think there's going to be a lot, I mean, you know, our show takes place in a high school. So we have 
extras and we have it's it's not just like two two people alone in an office right. so we we have to like figure out you know certain ways of shooting to probably make it look like there's more people there than than there actually are and i think those are you know stuff we'll have to talk to our dp about and our directors but we're trying to sort of just like make the best season of television we can make uh without letting it steer us too hard yeah well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where you guys end up because I love the first season and you know, I'm 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 anxious for, for what's coming next. It'll be fun to see. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm anxious to see what we come up with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. Lang Fisher. She was awesome. I was so fascinated just in, in her creative process and her team's creative process and never have I ever. It's a great show. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why you listened to this entire interview where it was just full of spoilers and behind-the-scenes things, but uh, go check it out. Maybe this wet your whistle. Maybe you want to go see it now after you heard this. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's streaming now. Never have I ever. All right, I have a new show coming up on Thursday with RJ Freed. He's the showrunner of two amazing shows, actually, uh, Tuning Out the News, which you can see on CBS All Access, and Our Cartoon President, which you can see on Showtime. Our cartoon president actually returns uh, this weekend, September 13th, with new shows on Showtime. So RJ is going to walk me through sort of how they've been making sense of, you know, all the news and craziness in the White House and, you know, in Washington. We're going to talk about all of that. And uh, he's going to preview some of what's coming up for the back half of season three, which uh, returns September 13th. So you don't want to miss that. Come back Thursday to hear me talk to RJ Freed. If you subscribe, you'll be one of the first ones to get it in your feed. So hit that subscribe button, rate, review, do all the stuff you do with the other podcasts. And I'm at Heath Rosella on Twitter and Instagram. Drop me a line. Let me know uh, what you think about the show, what you'd like to see differently. Talk to you guys on Thursday. Have a great week. Stay safe. <laughs>